This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2. Huddersfield Town. Joy for Jacko. This episode is once again sponsored by the brilliant Magic Rock Brewing. Currently, if you're in lockdown and you need a couple of beers, uh, Magic Rock are offering uh, next day delivery for all orders over £40. No voucher codes needed. Uh, Just head over to uh, the website, which is www.magicrockbrewing.com forward slash shop. And also keep an eye out on social media over the next couple of weeks as well. There'll be some more packs and uh, a few interesting things on the horizon as well. Okay, hello and welcome back to the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Uh, coming off the back of our episodes with Darren Bullock and Ian Dunn, we've had them all lining up. Pochettino, Klopp, Mourinho. But who needs Mourinho when we've got Jacko? A very oh, warm yes. welcome to the podcast to former Huddersfield Town player manager, but always cult hero and legend. It's Peter Jackson. Do we call you Peter, Jacko, Gaffer? What 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 should gaffer, we call you? Gaffer, gaffer, gaffer. Respect, yeah, Gaffer. I like that because well, it feels like I'm, I'm one of the team now. Yeah, <laughs> you're one of the team, Kosh, yeah. I like that. Was it? <laughs> right, so um, I think that the, the best way to start this podcast is just by mentioning that it's 35 years since the Bradford Fire disaster. Uh, I think it'd be a bit remiss of me not just to mention that and uh, pay our respects to everyone that was affected that day and, and wish those the the very best that were involved uh, around or, or families were involved around the Bradford fire disaster. So from, from us at this podcast to uh, those Bradford City fans, uh, wish you all the best and pay our utmost respects. And to you as well, yeah. Peter, I'm sure it's a, a difficult time for, for you as well. Yeah, so it's, it's an always uh, difficult time um, because I always felt and I always feel that the Bradford City fire has probably been a little bit ignored on the anniversary. Um, so I feel a little bit let down by... Um, People are higher up in in the football league, probably. That the the Bradford City fire, it's, it's uh, there'll be a minute silence at Bradford, minute silence at Lincoln, and that's it. So yeah. it's 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 a tragic. It was a tragedy, massive tragedy that probably changed it, the face of uh, English English football in terms of stadia. So, but I, I just feel at times um, that it, it, it's forgotten, not by the people of Bradford, um, but certainly people outside. Bradford, he's yeah. forgotten at times. As, as somebody who's lived in Bradford all my life, Jacko, that's, um, 
I agree with that completely. It's like the forgotten tragedy. Absolutely. I think it's almost because it were little old Bradford, kind of. Yeah, correct. Yeah, we were just a little old folks, third division side. Yeah, and, and uh, there, a lot of people died, didn't they? Absolutely. I just remember that night coming home. Um, I just remember I, I, um, I left the ground. Um, I couldn't get uh, into in the dressing room. I managed to get my khakis, but I never got changed. So I had my kit on and I had my uh, blazer on. And um, I went up to, um, went home. After about a couple of hours, I left Valley Parade about five o'clock. We all met at Bellevue Pub. Do you know the Bellevue Pub at the top of the road? Yeah. You've been there, have you? Paid your five P to get in and watch some trippers. <laughs> yeah, haven't you? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> I remember going up to up to the Bellevue. That's where it was all. We were watching it live on the television, and um, and then I went back to the ground and I looked out onto the pitch and it was just it it was horrific. Um, there were body bags laid out and it was um, it was awful. And I thought I need to, and on my way home. I popped into St Luke's. There were people with uh, burnt and. I sat on the wall outside uh, St. Luke's, which is on my way home, was on my way home where I lived at Shelf. And I popped in there for about a couple of hours, probably. And there were people, say, with 30% burns, maybe more than that. And all I wanted to come and talk about were the, the following season. We just won the championship. So we'd gone into the, um, uh, the old second division, which is now the championship. So we, we got there, and, and all I wanted to talk about, and it was quite humbling, really, was starting next season, we've got Leeds United, we've got Sheffield Wednesday, and uh, and these people were, were really, really badly burned, and I'll never forget that. And, and, and then when I got home, I got home about half past time. I remember uh, there were night riders with bikes outside, because it's not like it is now television. There's big cameras coming about, we had mobile um, um Guys with, with cameras outside my house wanting to do an interviews with me. So I left that morning at 12 o'clock and got to, down to Valley Parade. And all of a sudden, I was pushed into the limelight of being the captain of Bradford City the day the tragic fire. So, yeah, bad memories. And um, hopefully, uh, and well, the people of Bradford will never forget it. But certainly, I think the, the wider population sometimes does. Definitely from us yeah, to everybody involved. All the, yeah, correct. All the best. Uh, right, so let's pick up on, on your playing days. Uh, you were a huge success at Bradford. Uh, Captain them from a young age, uh, had some great success, uh, which saw a move to Newcastle. Uh, mm. where I think Did you get player of the year at Newcastle ahead of ahead of some famous faces as well? Well, um, yeah, yeah, I'll build up to that. That's a good building story <laughs> to that. I, mean, I, so I, I was at Bradford for... Um, I got in first team about 17, which was quite early. I was captain by 18. And at that, at that time, obviously, you used to read the papers that um, Man United, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea were watching this young centre-half um, from Bradford called Peter Jackson. So um, I knew there were clubs interested, but I th then I got to 22, 23, around about that age, and that had all died down a bit. Um, so I thought, oh, I've missed my chance, really, to play at the very top level. I'm playing championship football, but I want to go to Tottenham, I want to go to Chelsea. When I got Man United on a regular basis, now with the blue, completely out of the blue, I've been to a funeral that day on, um, on a Tuesday after, uh, sorry, a Wednesday afternoon, I've been to a funeral in Bradford. And um, I remember coming home because it was before the times of um, um, uh, mobile phones, it was a landline used to ring. And it's, um, Alison said, is Trevor Cherry on the phone? What does Trevor Cherry want before my day off? 
so I went across, he said, um, Peter, we've accepted a bid from Newcastle. Um, they want you to meet you tomorrow at Scotch Corner to have your medical. And um, I know, right, okay, blah, blah, blah. And I was still in a bit of state of shock, completely out of the blue, and put the phone down. I said, well, Alison, um, I, I'm move, we're moving to Newcastle. Alison was seven months pregnant, pregnant with my son Oliver in a beautiful house at Shelt, which we just moved into. And all of a sudden, I was uh, on my way to sign for, for Newcastle United. So it was quite an unbelievable day for me, really, that. Some characters up at Newcastle, Paul Gascoigne. I've always wondered what was Mirandini look like. Uh, what was he? What was he like? Even well, Mirandini came a little bit later. We um, so I went up to Scotch Corn, had my medical, and I still didn't know with a transfer fee what Newcastle had actually paid for me. So I, we did the contract. There were no agents involved then. I remember meeting um, I think it was Gordon McKee. He was the chairman then, and William McFall was the manager. That William McFall was a goalkeeper for Newcastle. Um, in his day, he was in goal at, at when Newcastle got beat at Hereford and Ronnie Ratcliffe oh, yeah, beat yeah. for about 45 yeah, yards. Yeah, that was Willie in goal, <laughs> Willie <laughs> Matt Fall, bless him. So, um, so I signed and I, I just said to Willie, Willie, um, can you tell me the transfer fee that you, you paid for me? I didn't have a clue, really, didn't, it didn't come into me to mention it. He said, We've uh, we've equaled our club record and we've paid 250,000. For you, which in them days back in '86 was a lot of dough, a lot, a lot of money. Um, I was just gobsmacked, absolutely gobsmacked. So it, it shattered obviously Bradford's record for, for what they received from it, and it also broke. I think me and John Chewick were the um, the, other, the other player um, who was involved with with a record tra- transfer fee with John Chewick. So uh, I, I shattered both records. It was, it was quite surreal, but but then the best thing about it, I made my debut and we played away Aston Villa and I remember getting stitches and everything. And then my first home game, we played Oxford United at home. So I arrive at the at the ground at one o'clock. Me and Alison goes there and he had to walk across a big car park there. So one of the places, you better get there about one o'clock tomorrow, even though we didn't have to be dressing room at quarter to two. It took nearly an hour to get from a car to the dressing room, it was unbelievable. It, it, like football in Newcastle, it's a religion. Yeah. It really is a religion in Newcastle. But I remember pulling that shirt on the first time uh, at St. James's Park, and I became sort of a cult hero. I, I played really well, having some um, good performances. And every week I used to buy the match magazine. All footballers did, and they said they didn't look at the marks. They all did. So I, remember, I, was getting, I, was getting, I got some tens, I got nines. And then at the end of the season, I was, I was about four points behind Glenn Oddle. And there's hardly any defenders in that. It's only strikers on midfield play. And they were in second. Anyway, to, to, to go on though, but end of that season, I won the Player of the Year awards. By coincidental, that, that same day, Bradford City were having theirs. Trevor Shira rings me and says, um, would you present our Player of the Year award? Yeah, of course I will. Yeah, of course I will. Spoke to William Matt Fall. He said, no, you have to attend. I said, well, Bradford want me to go down and present there. No, no, you have to come with attend. So it's been a bit stern with me, Willie. You used to look after me, Willie. <laughs> Went in um, the Blue Star Club opposite St. James's Park. Remember that, the Blue Star Club? One massive from about two times. So I walked in this club. There's about 1,500 people in this club. So I'm just stuck at back and I'm still a bit disgruntled about not presenting Bradford City's player of the year award. Anyway, 
So I'm sitting at the back and um, tonight, blah, 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 blah. Um, great, um, great turnout tonight. And in third place, we have Peter Beers. I thought, well, well done, Peter. England international. Fantastic. Well done. What a player he was, by the way, Peter Beers. And in second place, we have Paul Gascoigne. Just booking the under-21 squad. Let's talk about football in Britain. thought, who's going to win this? And I'm at back. I'm still not half-taking notice. And tonight's winner is Peter Jackson. Oh, my God. You can't believe that, can you? Peter Jackson. And I thought, oh, wow. I certainly have arrived in, in football. But then I got um, a sponsored car. I got a boot deal. I had my own fan club up there. So I've become sort of a Geordie legend. And well, I thought, what? <laughs> and, then I got in, and then years ago, about four years ago, I got enrolled in the Hall of Fame in Newcastle, which, which is fantastic. That's special, isn't it? Absolutely so special. When you think your Waddles, your Keegans, your Gascoins, your Beardsley, but indeed people like that play for the, Jackie Milburn, um, um, Malcolm McDonald, Peter Jackson from Butshaw Estate. Do you get recognised when you go up there? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, it's. Um, I, I, I once, Bradford City were um, playing a pre season game about three years ago. And they've played Newcastle in the pre-season game. So I'm walking from uh, 9-11 Club to, uh, uh, to to the director's box area. And the map side ground, this Geordie fellow walks past me. He said, Peter, man, you're the best football player, but I play for Newcastle United. What about Keegan, McDonald, Beasley? But now and again, I still get recognised. But it, there were great times for me because it changed, it changed my life from from being at uh, Bradford City and, and playing at Carlisle and places like that to playing at Man U, Man City, um, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal. And, um, yeah, I, I love my time at Newcastle. Right then, Gaffer. Excuse me, Tingles does that. So. <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Gaffer, uh, you, you, eventually, you, you left Newcastle, went back to Bradford City. Uh, I've seen elsewhere you've said it didn't, didn't quite feel right. And then yeah, take yeah, us yeah. through signing for... Our club, Huddersfield Town, and and uh, how that felt walking through the doors at Huddersfield. Yeah, then. it's um, what happened after that, guys. I um, I rushed into signing back for Bradford City. I got an injury, and I were out um, a month or so. I didn't have many injuries, but I had an injury, and I were out, and we formed it a little bit. Um, and um, Willie pulled me one day. Said we've accepted a bit from Bradford City. Do you fancy it? Uh, I thought, well. And I remember it took me eight years to, to get to where I was. And I probably rushed into it. I let my heart rule my head. Money were great. I got everything. I got a five-year contract. Everything were great. And I went back. And soon as I went to training, uh, when I signed for them, you, you know in your head you made a mistake. And sometimes that happens. And I knew I made a mistake. And that's not disrespectful to Bradford City. Anybody at Bradford, I just knew I made a mistake. Uh, as I say, I were on good money. I had a five-year contract. And after 18 months, or about three managers came and went. And a guy called John Doherty um, came to, Bra uh, to Bradford as manager, the worst manager ever. Um, and eventually pulled me one day. He says, we've got to pay you up. Meaning, um, if um, a club can take over you, um, your contract, we'll, we'll let you go for free. So a couple of clubs came in for me. And I lived at Brigg House. Huddersfield Town came in for me. I just wanted to play football and enjoy it again. I, I, don't, I, I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't get that sense it was the right thing for me at Bradford at that time. And then I arrived at Huddersfield Town and, and as soon as I walked down the old tunnel at Leeds Road and it opened up, I thought, this is for me, this this is this is me. Um, 
and everything changed. And I um, I used to get there every every day, try and get drop the kids off at school, get there at quarter past nine, um, do my training before I did all my weights and stomachs, and then after training, do more up and down the terraces. And I just absolutely loved it from that first moment I walked in with them big doors and saw the pitch and everything about it. It, it just felt so so right for me. There's a tasty rivalry between Bradford and Huddersfield at that point through the 80s, yeah, 80s well, and 90s. Um, the town fans, though, didn't look at you as, as a Bradford man coming in. They, they, we, we took to you sort of straight away. You were made captain, yeah. captain immediately yeah, as well. Uh, what, right. was it, what was it like under Owen Hand at the time and, and being made captain straight away and, and everybody taking to you? It must have been a real sort of swell of momentum which took you on yeah, to... Yeah, that's uh, right. Because um, I think they needed a bit of leadership at that time. We were struggling and... Um, I liked Owen Hand as well. I thought Owen Hand um, w- was a good manager. He, 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 um, he, he knew the game and um, I thought it was really unfortunate to get sat. But anyway, but Owen, Owen took it on board and he made me uh, made me captain straight away. And the, the fans took to me, similar to what happened probably at Newcastle, like they had this um, uh, sort of figurehead of the club and the captain and the leader. And, and I just took to it straight away. And I, I just loved playing uh, at Leeds Road. It was amazing. And um, there were such good days for me. And probably one of the best teams I've ever played in. You look at the back four, there was me, um, Graham Mitchell, Simon Trevitt, Simon, Simon Charlton. Charlton yeah. yeah, yeah. And then there were Kieran, Kieran O'Regan, Chris Marsden, if you know, Ewan Roberts, Gary Barnett. You know, we had a really, really good time. Of course, God bless him, if you know her. Who can forget if you know her? My, my brother and my soulmate. Um, so we had an amazing, uh, amazing side, and it was tragic that 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 night against Peterborough in the playoffs where we got beat at Leeds Road. Oh, so as I say, that side, I think Peterborough finished about thirteen points behind us, and we we drew them in the playoffs and they beat us. So I, I still feel a little bit disgruntled about that. But anyway, um, it, it was a good side. Mm, take us through that that season. Sorry, um, sorry, Cos. Uh, that. That back four you mentioned, um, so, there's a stat, so there's a stat for you here. Um, only conceded 38 goals that season. That's the mm. lowest amount of goals conceded by any Huddersfield Town team over a 46-game season. Um, well, yeah, I so I, I, I looked at that last night. Right, yeah. um, <laughs> Tim Clark takes a lot of heat from Huddersfield Town fans. You know, he's seen as a... Tim, bit, Tim Nice but Dim, Tim Clark. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's seen as a bit of a... Um, a figure, shall we say? Um, yeah, yeah. What was, what was he actually like? As because he seemed quite a decent bloke. So he were a great bloke with him. He he he'd, he'd been Ailes Owen, I think we signed him from if, if I'm right yeah. uh, for, for for not a lot of money, and um, he was so keen and enthusiastic. I think he was an engineer, um, and he worked in a factory and everything. So for him to become a full time uh, footballer, training full time, it was like his dream come true. But what um, messed Tim Clark up was a back pass. Mm. He couldn't deal with a back pass. And, uh, you know, he had, he, at one time he could pick the back pass up, but all that rule went out the season, more or less Tim came. And he, he, was, he was a good keeper. He had a presence. And a keeper, you also have a presence about you. Yeah. Tim Clark had a presence about him. He was massive, like a giant. He had this big, massive head and big arms and big hands. And he was massive. And um, But once the back pass rule came in, he's... he's his kicking of the ball wasn't the best. I mean, I mean he made some great saves, but like all keepers, they all make mistakes. <laughs> but but Tim, he was a good keeper. But I remember 
It was in goal that day we went to Bury. Remember that game we went to the day we went to Bury? Four four, they're one of the best games of football ever. If it had gone on for another minute, we'd have beaten five four. So that game started and one of the goals he let in, I thought, oh, he's got to disallow it, referee. You can't, you, you can't do that goalkeeper. They'll disallow it if something's gone wrong here. Anyway, and, and he dropped another one just like that. I thought, is he is he joking now, Tim Clark? You know, you just think this is, there's something wrong with the keeper. Um, anyway, it was 4-1, I think, at half-time. We came back to, to 4-4. If it had lasted another three minutes, we'd have beaten 5-4. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, but I fond memories of Tim. He was a really nice guy. He wanted to succeed. And I think he took a bit of um, a stick at times, unfair stick from, um, from, from town fans. And Peter, that season against Peterborough, and he's nearly 30 years on, and I'm still oh, stunned okay. by it. it. I felt that well, our season, which we deserved to go up, and mm. it must have been devastating as a player. I mean, I remember the police well, officers on the crowd. Yeah, no. There were a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you think we should have done that year, mate? Oh, I did, and I felt like that. And it took me a while to get over that, actually. And because um, I, I just felt as cheated a little bit because of this, it was such a points difference between ourselves and Peterborough. And uh, I know that's where the playoffs and the thrill of it and everything. Um, but it, it took a couple of months. I was so upset by it because like, I felt like yourself that um, we deserved to go up that season, and we did. Um so it took a bit of getting over. I remember studying if you know and I would I wouldn't tears in that tunnel at, at Leeds Road and it really did affect me. It was an awful day. I, I, it it was too carnival like. It was a Thursday night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was too on it. carnival like. It was absolutely yeah. scorching. Yeah. We scored after about two minutes, I think it was Phil Star, but wasn't it? And, yeah. Uh, you're just thinking then, this is it, this is it. And then to lose that. I remember the day of the playoff final. I think they played Stockport in final, and uh, our outfit day somewhere. And radio kept flicking, and I just like to turn radio off. I couldn't even bear to hear updates of them in a final because it just it hurt. That's I'm, yeah. I can't remember a football match hurting me that as much as that night did. Yeah, and was, after the game, there was a lot of trouble, wasn't there? Oh yeah, it was, yeah. It was, uh, even I think before the game, there was a lot of trouble as well. And um, I just remember driving away that night. I thought we've been cheated, here. and yeah, we're really upset by it. Yeah. It's weird, Peter, isn't it? Because there's a rivalry developed between Peter from that day. It still went on, and typical the beaters again at Old Trafford. But uh, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? All how many miles away from Peterborough, but. There's, a yeah, no, there's still that bit of grudge between us, isn't there? But for them, that one game. Yeah. Yeah. There's part of me still thinks, what if, you know, if maybe if we'd have had Peter Butler for uh, for the end of that season, because he came and he yeah, seemed to be a catalyst for a, for a turnaround. That's right. and it was a big blow to us. Him and Marsden in midfield and Re- Regan, they were, they, they were a really good midfield trio. And um, we certainly probably missed Butler, that bit of steel on, on that night where... Um, you know, a lot of pressure on everybody and, and, and Butler would have probably made that difference that night. But I, I, where West Ham was on loan from? Uh, West Ham. The South End, was it? And then he went to West Ham, I think it was. Yeah, all right, OK. Yeah, but like South End wouldn't let him play in it. I can't remember. I don't think South End uh, or the contract didn't run that long for him to play in that game, mm-hmm. I think. So, uh, yeah, he, 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 he played well for his Butler. Played really well for us. Yeah, he did, absolutely. And... There seemed to be a bit of a playoff hangover of the, the, the following season as well. I think everybody, Ian Ross, we've had Ian Dunn on a couple of weeks ago. Ian Dunn, what a, what a great guy he was as well. We had yeah, on the podcast. Uh, he, he mentioned that maybe Ian Ross was a bit too nice uh, at the start of that season and maybe he needed to get into a couple of people. And 
You certainly got that though when Mick Buxton turned up. Certainly did, yeah. But j- j- with um, he inherited uh, Owen Ann's team, really did um, did Ian Ross, and, and he inherited a good side because he were harshly done by was Owen Ann. And then all we used to do, we'll just play five aside with with Ian Ross. We used to go up to Deaton Gym, even if it were a day like today, and we play five aside, and, and that's all really we did. Um, but but as I said, we, he had such a good group of players, um, and then our form dipped a little bit. Then he came, Mick, Mick Buxton, who shook everything up. And um, wow, I've heard about Mickey Buxton. I never really met him. I played against his sides and everything. And then Mickey Buxton arrived. And wow, like a whirlwind arrived. And he shook things up with Mickey Buxton. And what a coach he was, Mickey Buxton. And for the first time, probably. Um, under Ian Ross, we, we, we were well organised and well structured and well coached through the arrival of Mickey Buxton. And an amazing run at the end of that season. And we, I, I think, you know, we, we'll go, we'll talk about the great escape in a little bit, but that in itself was was a great escape as well that, that season because Huddersfield yeah. looked de- absolutely dead and buried. We'll, we'll move on to 93, 94 as well. Neil Warnock came in. Again, he comes in and Lovely. puts a stamp Lovely. on it. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> um, he, he comes in. Town fans didn't really take to him initially because we played some great football under Owen Hand and Ian Ross. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and Neil came in, and you know everything was a little bit direct. He he started uh, selling players like Ewan Roberts, etc., to to try and fund what he wanted to build. Um, we had Darren Bullock on last week, my my hero from the nineties, my playing hero from the nineties, Darren Bullock. He he said he came when he came in, he, he kind of went through everybody. Do you know when when he first joined? I'm sure there's some good stories with with Bully as well, but that season mainly centres around the Autoglass Trophy and that Autoglass Trophy run. Uh, I remember you playing in the uh, the Northern Area final against Carlisle. You've got to claim, claim that first goal as well from the corner, I think. Of course, uh, of course. <laughs> came through. Um, I remember that the, the whole narrative of, of beating Carlisle was Jacko's going to Wembley. Everything was sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember the town fans in the cow shed singing Jacko's going to Wembley. It was, you know, a, a kind of a really happy time as well. And I think we as fans were gutted for you that, you know, you didn't get to play yeah. in the final. Um, just take us through that season and, and and that that experience as well. And did that really sort of lead you to sort of realise that you needed to move on elsewhere? Well, Warnock decided he needed to leave. Um, but I remember the arrival of, of, of Warnock and he didn't get off to the best of starts, um, I must admit. He was coming under a little bit of stick, but I was still this cult figure at the club. So it was quite clever what he did, Warnock, because he made me reserve team coach uh, with, with um, Kevin Blackwell, reserve team coach. So I, I respect him for that because he made me part of the staff and, and um, I, I was taking the reserves. Um, and I, I was playing okay, we're playing, playing fine. Um, but then we started winning games and then we went on this run to Wembley. And the further we went... Um, our relationship was sort of, he's mentioned in his book, Huddersfield weren't big enough for Peter Jackson and Neil Warnock, so one of us had to go, and I was the one to go. But he got what he did, Neil, he, he got me on board, and the fans, fans, the fans were thinking, well, if Jack was on board with Neil, he's on this met where behind him sort of thing. But we're on that run, and it just went like that for Neil. I, I was surplus then, because I'd been used to what, I think I would use like to, to, to build him up and get him going. And then, and, and then I was so popular then at the time, he needed rid of me. He needed me out of the club. 
and uh, then the, that the turning point was when we got to Wembley because I played every single round. I think I scored in two of the rounds as well. It's got a penalty against somebody, Preston, and um, we get to the final and he pulls me. And this was a this was a breaking point. There was a breaking point in our relationship. I still had two years left, I think, on my contract. He said, "I'm leaving you out at Wembley and playing Pat Scully." Pat Scully, right? Okay. Pat Scully wasn't as good as player as me. Pat Scully wasn't as good as player as me. I know that. And uh, but you can leave the side out at Wembley. This is odd. This. So and that's that was a downturn when he left me out that day at Wembley. Um, I knew my time. It was time to leave Huddersfield, and I went to um, to Chester on loan and then I signed permanent for the last three years of my um, my career, which I loved at Chester. Lovely place is Chester as well. Um, yeah. Who, as a player, I've seen Stan Collymore mention the game South End at Huddersfield a couple of times on on social yeah. media. He mentions that and he mentions you from that game as well as. Uh, and I remember Stan Collymore coming with South End, and he was phenomenal that oh. day. He was an absolute. He looked, he looked well classed, didn't he? As, as he, as he it striding me, through. It led me up to big death. But I remember him turning up and I'd heard Stan Collymore uh, about him, what a good player he was. He wanted an international player, but he'd been at lower divisions, but he scored him back loads of goals. And um, you always try and, you, you, know, you, you know, you're up against some players um, that you've played against before, but I'd never played against Collymore. And, um, and he actually ran me ragged. And, and I were playing well at the time. And he absolutely had me in knots. And uh, I remember that performance. I thought, he, he'll go on and, uh, and make a good living from the game because, as I say, he taught. And not long after that, I think he did get a move. And I think his performance at Leeds Road that day, and my performance at Leeds Road that day, got him, got him a big move to a big club. He's, uh, he certainly did well. Just a bit. So... What what the question was going to lead on to? Who were the best players that you came up against? Do you think in in your time um, as a footballer, who who's your best opponents and the best sort of one on ones you've had? Really, um, what throughout throughout my career or just at Huddersfield? Or, uh, throughout throughout would be interesting to know. Throughout uh, throughout my career, obviously I was I was um, I played against. Uh, I'm 16 year old and I'm playing for in in the Lancashire League, and that means you play at Bradford. Um, but I think we had a reserves, Bradford City reserves played on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday morning. And you play like Everton B or um, 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 Man United A and all that. And I love Lancashire League. And I'm a 16 year old. It's about my fourth game. We play Chester away. And I remember turning up at Chester. And I'm 16 year old. And play this game anyway. Just before I mean this centre forward, we're having a real rumble together, kicking the lumps out of each other. And um, I remember getting my first ever booking. In, in the um, in the football league because you got a letter from the football league about that big that you've been booked and blah 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 and I, I always kept my first booking and um, I, I did stick it on my bedroom wall because I'm only 16 by the time by the time I finished my career be, oh, 10 bedrooms full of bookings but so I remember and anyway I forgot all about it and then six months I'm sat at home watching World of Sport our game had been called off and I'm looking at telly I remember this kid with a big nose Ian Rush scores on his Liverpool debut. I thought, that's that kid he had a fight with at Chester. We started fighting on pitch. <laughs> Years later, we played against each other. We always mention our first booking because we both got booked and it were Ian Rush. But I have to say Ian Rush because I played against him when we were 16. Then I played against him when we were at Liverpool, Lim and Daglish, which probably 
were one of the best strike forces around at the time. So I'd have to say them two, uh, Russian Daglish, I'm luckily enough to play against them, both of them. Daglish was an amazing player. Um, best I've played with is Beasley and, and, and Gascoigne. Um, Stuart McCall, I, I put up there. Um, but I played with some some good good players, some honest players that never got that break like I did to play in the big time. But um, yeah, I played. With, I was lucky. I played with some excellent players, some really good players. No, when I me play, I, I finished thirty six at um, basically. I got a free transfer at thirty six from Chester. I played six hundred and six hundred and ten games, I think then. And uh, on the six hundredth game. Um, Cyril Regis played the same amount of game as me. So uh, it was 599 Cyril had played, and I played 600. So we were both at Chester. And uh, I always remember that day we played Birmingham at, at Diva Stadium. That's what we called Diva Stadium at Chester. And I love my time at Chester. Me and Cyril, who was absolute genius, and a gentleman and a, a lovely, kind person. And we both played our 600th game together. So what an honour. Uh, to, to be in that sort of company. And then I, I finished there at Chester and then I, I was looking for work probably then and um, I had a couple of approaches from league clubs. Then George Mullow rang me up and Kieran O'Regan down at Halifax had just finished one point off getting relegated from the conference. Would you come and join us? So that means I go part-time now. I'm 36. I've got my coaching badges and um, I'm, I'm looking to do what, what do we do next? So I'm earning £150 a week. I train Tuesday, Thursday, play Saturday. That's it. So uh, my time then was mainly training by myself. So I signed for Halifax and I loved it. I played uh, nine games for Halifax. Won eight, drew one. And that was the year that we won the conference. And that was the year of the Great Escape. So we got the Great Escape and I also got a medal for winning the, the conference. So um, that was it. And then I became, obviously, um, town manager. So how did the how did the how did the Huddersfield job come about then? Uh, how right, what yeah. was the the story behind this? Okay, right. So in in I signed for um, Halifax, but I had a clause put in my, in my contract that if a coaching job or a league club comes in for me, they can't ask a fee from me. So I remember um, speaking. I would say, well, I will say, and Trevor Cherry he said, um, if it doesn't start well uh, down, I'm going to recommend you down at Huddersfield Town, depends how they start the season. Brian Orton was in charge. All right, and I never really thought much about it. Anyway, I kept watching results, and I thought, they got to October, I think they had four or five points. Anyway, still not thinking uh, much about it, and then I get a call on a, a Sunday night, and it was uh, Malcolm Asquith, who was the old chairman, God bless him, he's dead now, uh, would like to meet you at Cedar Court at Wakefield, and that was it. But remember, I've never, ever, ever been for an interview in my life, you know, and uh, I'm thinking, what, what do you have to say in an interview? But going into that room full of the directors that I knew, it didn't feel like an interview because I knew them, they knew me. So it, I was quite comfortable in that situation. I remember driving home, I got home, phone rang, uh, my phone line rang here, and uh, yeah, we're, we're making Huddersfield town manager. Oh my God, I could not believe it. I'm a championship manager, I'm 36, I had no manager experience, got me coaching badges. But I'd, I'd never done a staff meeting or a, um, a presentation to the players or whatever. I've never done anything like that. 
and all of a sudden I'm the youngest manager in the championship, age 36. So I needed some experience, which Terry um, came along, Terry Yorath, a legend in football, as, as my assistant. And um, and that was it. I remember waking up and then the sacks heartened on the Monday. I was announced on the Tuesday. Uh, but remember, in that side, or at the club, there were at least five or six players who were still at the club when I was playing there. So obviously that had to change because they had to call me the gaffer, not Jacko. Uh, they had to call me the gaffer. So um, my life changed then. It really, really did change. You know, going from um, fo- a part-time footballer uh, to being a championship manager, wow! You know, I um, I got my first mobile phone, Nokia six ten, Nokia six ten. I got like a Mercedes car. Oh my God, this is wonderful! But obviously, it, it were all wonderful. But there was this, people don't realise how much pressure there is in being a football manager. But I absolutely loved it, and um, you know, every day was a learning curve for me in terms of how to deal with problems. I had no experience. So I thought my first day, I'm, I'm looking at the squad of players that I have, and there were some good players there, but we're rock bottom of the championship, only four, four or five points in October. And I, I, need to, I need to speak to the players when I want to. You can speak to them as a group of people, um, but sometimes they don't open up to you. But you speak to them as individuals, they'll open up to you. So I thought I'll start at the top. I'll bring Andy Morrison in, because he was the king of the club. He was a, um, a, um, the captain. Everybody were frightened of him. Because <laughs> he wasn't quite terrifying. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, uh, I pulled him in. And I, uh, he had one or two issues and problems. And um, I, got Andy, I got Andy on board with me. Um, I helped him a lot in, in certain things. I don't want to go into too much detail, but I helped him a lot in certain things. He came on board. And, and, and all of those players, well, if Andy's on board, I'm coming on board. And he, he led the dressing room for me, did Andy Morrison. So I got everybody on board, Marcus Stewart. We had a really good group of players. And then, Are there any, was there any difficult characters in that? Were there any, well, just, any me, sort of, I don't want to leave? Oh, yeah, because, I mean, you, you call a problem. I called every player in, like I called Andy Morrison in. And um, you think as a football manager, you pick your side, blah, blah, blah. You do an interview, do a bit of coaching, that's it. There's so many problems to being a football manager. I called, like, I called Andy Morrison in. I called all the players in. It took about two weeks to probably go through them all, all my players, to, to ask about their lives and things and that. And they were like uh, drinking problems, anger management, gambling, uh, wife's having an affair. There were so many different problems. And I'm 36 and I'm not really trained. I'm not a counsellor. I'm an ex-football manager, being a manager now. Uh, sorry, ex-footballer, being a, being a manager. You know, I weren't qualified or trained to do any of this work. So every day, well, I can learn how do I deal with that problem? How do I deal with that problem? You know, and there were far more different things. Then you deal with that. Then you'd say you'd set off to go watch a game at crew. You, so you set off at, I don't know, half five, and then you get to game, blah, blah, and you get home at, say, half 11, and then you'd be up at six o'clock the next day, back in your office at seven, and it all works again. So it's, I spent hours and hours and hours um, up and down the country in my car, but obviously thinking about the problems that I have with my players, but full marks to every single one of them. If they didn't take it on board, I got rid of them. Best as simple as that. But the ones that behind me, I could not fault them. And I think on my fifth game or fourth game, we had a few drubbings early doors, and then we beat Stoke City at home 3-1. 
oh my God, the most amazing time ever. Three one at home against Stoke. I remember speaking to a guy years later, and he went, Peter, do you know that day? It's the only time I've ever cried because I was so pleased for you. And it was up for me there. The only time I've ever cried, I was so, so pleased. You remember when I run down Touchline? One of those games, it's still just thinking about it, it gives you tingles because you remember That's iconic, Paul, Paul Dalton just skipping over and then putting it in yeah. from about 45 yards from wing. And it, you know, yeah, yeah. It's just feeling that it's night were unreal. I know, because that, um, that wrong question of sport, what happened next? I don't know if you ever saw that. Years, years yeah. after, the wrong question of sport. But that feeling that night, I thought, wow. Obviously, the feeling of defeat, you're down, blah, blah, blah. But I remember walking at my office and my family were there and everybody was, I don't know, just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant um, day in my life where I can look back and think, wow. And then we just went like that, Man City, when we went to Man City and beat Man City. Last mm-hmm. time we went to Man City, we got beat 10-1. We went there as Uddersfield and we were beating 1 0. Peter, when we, we beat Stoke, when we beat Stoke, did you feel that we could get out of it or did you think. Without a doubt. Campbell to recruit big time? Because there were no chance for Mindo then, were there? We could just. No. No. And I, and I said to the players this all it'll take, because we're at four games defeat straight away. I said, all we need is one win. And one win will take it, build our confidence and we'll fly. And I knew that could be known. Driving home that night, I knew that would stop up. Even though we were still well adrift, I knew we'd stop up because we had belief. And people um, looked at me and believed in me, and I believed in them. Look at someone like Paul Dalton. Paul Dalton were messing around in the reserves. So my first day as manager, I, um, I had a practice match, 11 v 11, down at McAlpine. Or John Smith, as it is. Is it still John Smith yeah. now? And uh, Paul Dalton, it, it, was, it was like George Best. So... I pulled him after the gate. I said, come in my office. I want a word with you. What, what, I, didn't, I didn't really know his name. I've heard of Dolly, but tell me about yourself. Sign for my I said, well, why aren't you inside? He said, um, uh, well, me, Orton said, I can't edit, I can't tackle, and I don't track back. And I thought, right, I'll do it. I'm thinking, I said, right, you play in a game. You don't have to head a ball. You don't have to track back. And you don't have to tackle. How about that? People just give you the ball. You do what you want. Really? I said, yeah, do what you want. And that's how I've handled Paul Dalton. All of a sudden, no, he did start tackling. He did start running back. He did start heading the ball. Just needed some exactly. of that belief in him, didn't they? That's exactly. He was unplayable. That's that's great escape season. It, were, it was unplayable. It was unbelievable. The thing was, Peter, though, it wasn't just that way. It stayed up to the football we played. Normally, when you dig yourself out of trouble, you you kind of have to go very direct. And, and don't get me wrong, we did play that at times, but we played some real football. We played football to get ourselves out of trouble, which was kind of a double bonus for me, I thought. Yeah, and it were really exciting times. The only thing about that season that I felt really let down by is the last game of the season we played Port Vale. And uh, everybody got dressed up in, in um, Great Escape gear and it was a real carnival party atmosphere. And it went a bit flat because we got beat 4-1. But that get, how I remember that game is, um, so Port Vale had to win. Uh, if Port Vale won, Man City were down. So Man City had to go to Stoke and win. I went, Man City went to um, Stoke and beat them 5-2. So that meant it's all back to the Huddersfield. To and they beat us. And uh, I look at, I work for the LMA now, and I look after a manager called Gareth Ainsworth, who was playing for Port Vale that day. 
and they beat us 4-1. Just a freak result. I remember that the following day I was getting death threats and hate mail from Man City fans saying you sent us down. You sent us down. What do you, mean? you had 46 games to stop up and you're blaming my side, Huddersfield, for, for, for going down the last game of the season. Be real. You know what I mean? I just felt, what are you saying that for? Anyway, but I was so, so proud of that, that team, that, um, that great escape season. They were magnificent. And then a year to the day when I took over as manager, went from bottom to the top of the championship. I bet there's not many managers done that in the career. Take a team from there to there. I remember that night when we went top. We were in that massive stand away at Chambia. Yeah. And we had that. We were in that huge stand that just looked completely out of place at Tranmere. And I mean, Marcus Stewart and Wayne Allison, it was a Friday night. It was on telly. We were in red and black Panasonic stripes. And it was just everything about that night were oh, top at league. Top at league. I remember when we went top again. And I don't know, it was the season after Pete, but it might have been that same season when Ben Thornley scored that last minute win against Wolves and you went charging down the sidelines. Oh, yeah, Tremendous yeah. day, that. I know. Ben, ben were a lovely, a lovely kid with Ben, with ben Thornley. I've seen him since Ben. He hasn't changed, and um, yeah, we're a lovely kid. But uh, yeah, but good days. But that night at Tramway, I remember that. It was a Friday night, and um, uh, we go to Tramway. I think it was on Sky. It must have been on Sky on a Friday night. I did Tramway playing on a Friday night. And I remember going to Tramway that night, and uh, I said to the lads, I said, if we win tonight, lads, you, they didn't know about it. I said, we can go, we can go top. We can go top of the championship. And um, I remember coming off that night and um, we stopped off somewhere in around Cheshire or somewhere, I can't remember. And we stopped off and we, we had some shit, all lads had some shit. But stopped at the hotel and we had a bottle of champagne and that way. What all my players are drinking. It were, it were great times, really good times. But I remember that that, that day, uh, the following day, we were playing Everton in the Cup. I don't know what FA Cup or League Cup. So I took my son to Everton and um, I remember driving... And, and that day, I got delivery of the Mercedes car. So, I mean, Mercedes car, I'm a Nokia 6310. I'm driving to Everton with my son. Uh, our proudest punch, it comes up and us feel reached the top of the championship. So, that I arrive at Everton and there's a car parking spot and Mr. Jackson this way. Oh, this is fantastic. Director's box at Everton. Oh, my God. I said, where's my life gone wrong all? My little lad. And I thought, oh, wow. I, do, I just remember that day. I was so... And driving home again. I remember driving home, I thought results had to go for us to remain top. And the team that were blowers um, got beat and Huddersfield remained top with yeah, getting. It was just brilliant. A brilliant weekend, that. <laughs> That's amazing. So not only were you your Huddersfield town football manager, you were crowned the, the best looking football manager in, in the league yeah. by, by Sky, yes. I'm sure. You can <laughs> see why, can't you? You can see why. Still got it. Absolutely still got it. Still got it. Um, I'd be interested to know about the the battles with Bradford City. You know, coming from a, a derby point of view, and how how you were received going back to Bradford City as well. Because um, yeah, we did, we did. I, I thought we'd put a spanner in their promotion um, promotion party this this season after. Yeah, we've been twice, didn't we? Yeah, and Nico Vassen's penalty. You know what? What a game! Nico Vassen's penalty save. Wayne mm-hmm. Allison dominating. Darren Moore. There's you know an amazing amazing game what are your memories from from going back there and i must and I, I didn't enjoy going back i didn't enjoy going back to bradford city i, I must admit the about abuse and stick i got was unjustified really um obviously I, i've had some memorable times eight years going through the bradford city fire resigning which i admit and, and i acknowledge that it was a mistake 
and um, I didn't do myself justice. The only time I've never done just myself justice in football. And I, I got a horrendous stick going back. Really, really obnoxious, horrible stick. Anyway, but it, it, it's part of being um, a, a football manager that um, you, you get abused and you get stick. And I, I certainly got some. The worst stick I ever got or the worst thing ever said to me, I'm, I'm manager of Lincoln. And I was doing all right. And um, I, I, I just recovered from throat cancer and I went back. Anyway, we played Port Vale on a Tuesday night and there's 10 minutes to go and we're winning 1-0. And a fella, he stood about 50 yards away from me. He shouts at me, Jackson, you're a wanker, you should have died of cancer. And I'm thinking, I can't believe what that the blokes just said. I mean, if I just turned around and said that to him, they called stewards, please get him out. He says, that this to me, I mean... And this fella said this to me, saying, that, that's wrong now. You, it, you, you, you expect stick, but when it reaches that certain level, you think, that's ridiculous, and they step well over it. I don't know what goes through people's heads sometimes when no, people no. shouting. No, but I, I once got a bit of stick from a town fan. Can I tell, tell you about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're doing well. I'm just on my way um, with my young guns, my young lads, uh, the second time as manager. And uh, I'm on my way to Cardiff. The week leading up to Cardiff, I'm sat in my office as a phone call put through on the landline, which is unusual because I had my Nokia 6310. <laughs> playing snake on it yeah. and, um, I got a phone call in office and um, blah 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 it's um... Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions for Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. David Richmond at Leeds United, his chief executive Leeds United. And I know David Richmond from Bradford City Days. And, um, and I'm just thinking he's ringing me uh, to say good luck at, at Cardiff at the weekend. So this is on a Monday. So I'm in the office, me and Terry are just about to go out and put through on. on Hi, Peter. Yeah, yeah. Good good luck at weekend. Um, can we come and meet you? We want to meet you. What for? Are you taking me out? For, no, we want to see if you'd be interested in taking a Leeds United job. I think uh, Peter Reid had just left, and it's the time Kevin Blackwell got appointed. So, anyway, so he, he, I said, listen, I, I can't. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm on my way to Cardiff. On the Thursday, we're setting off to Cardiff, so he rang me on the Monday, and he rang me again. Can we meet you? I said, no, if, if it comes out and I chat with Legion United, we get beat. My mind went on it, blah, blah, blah. I said, no, I can't meet you. Anyway, so that afternoon, by it come out in papers a little bit, a bit of rumour that Jacko could be, um, is a target for Legion United. And then, so I'm walking around Brigg House, uh, just come out of the supermarket, this kid walks past me. He goes, uh, Jacko, Muddersfield Town fan. 
if you take the Leeds United job, I'll come up and burn your house down and walk off. I didn't make Leeds United. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh dear. But then the after I, I went to Cardiff, won the title, and that, that I think that day they appointed Kevin Blackwell as manager. Uh, but that's the only time I've got. I would have got a little bit of stick, but that was probably the most frightening. That let's let's Jack, wrap what? Up. Jack, what? Go on, what did you used to often? I, I think you did. You get mad when kind of people maybe said that kind of you were the, the motivator and Terry Yorth maybe were the tactician. I, I kind of hear that from a lot of people. And sometimes I think I think that's pretty unfair. It's like you look at certain... Um, the, the, Terry, I still admit, he, he wasn't a very good manager. A good coach, but he wasn't a manager. I'm not a very good coach, but I know I can manage people. You look at Alex Ferguson, he didn't do a lot of... Co- I didn't do a lot of coaching. You know, we talked about what we would... In the office before games... Um, what we do for training, we, we talked about, he, he was the coach of the club and the, and the team. I was a manager of the football club. And that there's a massive, massive difference. You know, Terry used to um, be there and then and it'd be finished at two o'clock, three o'clock. And then, you know, I'd go and watch players, I'd do all this, I'd do all that. So there's a big difference between, we were a fantastic partnership and it worked really well. He had that experience, I had an experienced play, uh, uh, um, a person with me. Um, that I could trust, and I trusted Terry with my life, and we were excellent partnership. Um, but I agree with you. Yeah, Terry was the coach. I said, "This, this is what I need to do today. This is it." But I, I, you know, we go through different things on the board and everything. So, but he, 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 he was my coach, and I was a manager of football club. I remember when the start of that promotion season, um, we're going to a pre-season friendly where Emily, when they played at Wakefield. Oh, I remember that. And um, it were red hot, and we're stood behind where you were in dugouts, and there's all these players in it, Tony Cars, Robbie Edwards, and none of them could actually sign a contract or out, could they, at yeah. that time? Because they were all administration stuff were going through. But because they'd bought, sort of bought into this vision that you'd sold them, they all, they all basically put themselves at risk yeah, yeah. of not being able to sign for somebody else because they believed in this and... Mm. Guess what, guess what they did there, Neil? So I'm speaking to players, and because we were ad, ad, administration, we, we couldn't actually sign players. Yeah. So they were signing letters of intent. So basically, a little bit of paper, if we just still come out of uh, receivership, I'll, yeah. I'll sign them to your contract or whatever. And, and um, I remember I'm pulling Sodji, Sodji, World Cup. He played in the World Cup 12 months earlier. All of a sudden, he's signing for me. I said, so, and I told, I were brutally honest with them. Listen, I've no contract to offer yet, but they believed in myself and they believed in me and they liked what we're talking about. They liked the club, like Huddersfield Town. You know, you take people out of Huddersfield Town, the stadium, everything. Um, it, it's, it's fabulous. It's not as though you're taking them a Scotland at Rochdale. No respect yeah. to Rochdale, but... Especially 20 years ago as well, which, no, 17, 16, 17 yeah, years exactly. ago. Well. I mixed you that with the kids that I got. Yeah. And, and that was probably one of the hardest things that I probably ever did. Um was trying to attract players, but it's all about me, my personality, to get them players to sign for me. And I remember my friend coming to watch that same game you just mentioned, Neil, and he said, Peter, I don't know what you've taken on board here. He didn't know any of the players. He will, I, I can't remember the score, but it piggled it, piggled it. And, um, and then we went on to win promotion. Oh, my God. That, that feeling, that... Um, that year we went up with them young kids and players that coming into the like Steve Yates, Martin Booty, um, obviously yeah. Sodji, 
uh, use it. Ian Gray, yeah, and um, they, they were just a memorable time. It didn't start too well as you expect when there are only six players turn up for pre-season. We didn't start the season alight, but certainly towards the end we were. <laughs> Peter, that first but it wasn't a bad year, was it? As a as a fan, I'll be honest, it's one of the most enjoyable seasons I've ever had watching town. Because mm-hmm. even rocking up at places like Kidderminster, we lost. Yeah, I know. Can you remember that when we went to York on a Sunday? I remember. Oh, and um, I'm, I'm at the game. So, Danny, uh, and it were, for some, it played on a Sunday. I don't know why. Yeah. And I remember when um, Danny Schofield scored, I think I, I, I jumped on Lloyd and I were, on the, I were in the D nearly on the halfway line. I run on the pitch. This is before. Oh, absolutely. That was when Murphy came on, didn't he? Yeah. You, you chucked Murphy on up front. Yeah, so I had up front that day, Nat Brown and John Newby. Yeah. Nat Brown and John Newby up front, who scored probably between them, Rudersfield, five Minus goals. five goals. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm putting, uh, we, we just took the lead, and uh, I make a substitution, I brought one along, and Murphy's done as a centre-half, and this fella, my dad and my son's there, and um, this fella shouts at me, because it's only a little tiny um, seating area at, uh, at York, Negative, Jackson, what are you putting the centre-half on? But I remember someone telling me he can play up front. So I thought, Murph, just because you were a quick lad with Murphy, just go up there, run about and cause havoc. Well, he comes on. Mission accomplished. And scores. <laughs> oh, my God. Honestly, it was just... And people... And that... I remember people... It's an iconic game for me, really, because it was such... People have, So many people have come up to me I know we've got to the Premier League and we've done this, we've done that. But I remember going to Booth and Crescent that on that Sunday. We beat them 2-0. Yeah. Murphy, come on. And I'm thinking, wow, people still remember a game like that. York v. Huddersfield on the Sunday. They're iconic moments, though, aren't they? Oh, iconic moments. Honestly, it, it was just a marvellous match. There were too many Cal fans behind that gate. For, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, it was... Peter, uh, just going what? back to the, the first spell you had... Yeah. And when you left the club, I, I think I remember going to that Forest game when we got battered and then a couple of days later, you, I, I might sound harshish, but I maybe just felt maybe I'd run its course at that time. Did you feel the same or I suppose you just thought you could get a exactly. When you got sacked the first, yeah, the first time when you left, yeah, you got sacked. Uh, was that with Rubri? That was Barry Rubri the first time, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, Barry Rubri. He sacked me end of the season. The, the, the second time we went to Notts Forest and, and got beat. Um, but I felt probably uh, a little. It was the first time really I had a bit of a, a downward spell in me. We'd gone up. We, we, we should have gone up. We got promotion at Cardiff, obviously. We should have gotten in the playoffs the following year, um, which we missed out by a point. The following year, we did get in the playoff and missed out. So this was the first time probably that I'd been on a bad run and a bit shaky run. Um, but still, I felt I, I could have done with with more time. I know all managers said that, but that was the first probably poor period. But we're still outside the playoffs. We're still, if we'd have won that day, we'd have been, I don't know, four points off the playoffs at, at Forest. And then I get called in uh, on the Tuesday. Um, awful, awful day for me. I remember this is how a sacking happens. I'll tell you how a sacking happens, right? So we, we have a poor result um, on, on the Saturday at Forest, like he was talking about. Monday we train, Tuesday I'm in my office at quarter to eight, half seven, quarter to eight, knock on my door. And uh, it was Ralph Rimmey, he was um, Ken Davies, 
assistant, I don't know, someone yeah. doing rugby sack. Can we see you in the boardroom? Oh, shit, this is it. So, walks up to the boardroom. No one talks. We don't talk between each other. We just walk up. And it felt like 30 miles of that boardroom, but we were only up the stairs. So, I walked in a the room. They're all sat around waiting. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm not happy with recent results, Peter. Uh, we're terminating your contract, blah, blah, blah. And you have to leave the premises within half an hour. I got escorted out of Huddersfield Town. Can you believe that? Anne Huff, my secretary, who's, who's now a director there, a beautiful, beautiful woman, um, came down. She were in tears, absolutely in tears. And I had to clear my office in half an hour and had to be escorted off the premises. And that, and that still hurts me a little bit. Someone who given everything um, for the cause for Huddersfield Town in terms of my health, um, uh, things like my family's been through. And, you know, my kids got bullied at school when we went through bad patches as a manager. And I thought, I deserve better than that. To be escorted off the premises. And I think, wow, this, this isn't right. Anyway, it happened. Things and, uh, to get escorted off, what do you think you're going to do? Exactly. I didn't have a computer. I'd been knocking 6310 still on my table. <laughs> uh, but I didn't, I didn't have a computer. Exactly. All, all, all my memorabilia were in my office. I was, oh, I've got to tell you this. This is my memorabilia. This is my... Um, that's what I... Um, you might have seen this famous picture time before, that round my neck. This was at, um, at Cardiff. Wow. My young boys won at Cardiff. At Cardiff. I remember before we went out at Cardiff, do you know you're walking down the tunnel and I wanted our players to be as one, and I, but I wanted to do something a little bit different. So um, I came up with this idea. Uh, I seen Brazil do it years ago, holding hands, coming down the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, if, if, if I said to them players, and this is not a lie, if I said to them players, we'll walk out there naked, They've all took the clothes off and walked out naked. They were unbelievable, honestly. Peter, that season, that, that Scunthorpe game, do you remember that? I, I, I've got to admit to you, I left the ground at 2-1 behind. And oh, I got back yeah. to Canal side and it says, why have you gone? They've won. I'm like, what are you on about? And then Makaliski, you were incredible, mate. Oh, yeah. I felt we were going to do it that season. Everything you did and, you know, yeah, yeah. crazy, wasn't it? Makaliski was um, an amazing story. He was, he was a lovely kid from Golka, Makaliski. And um, I always remember his feet were amazing. And um, and this is a true story. I sold John Stead to Blackburn for 1.2 million in the January. Anyway, Stead took off. And then the end of February, and Sooness had never, ever seen John Stead play. Seen um, DVDs and recordings of him. Dean Saunders and somebody else been to watch him. So Sooness had never seen him play. Paid 1.2 million. He kept Blackburn up. Anyway, so on um, one midweek game, we played down at, uh, at Northampton. And uh, soon S rang me in the morning. He said, is Makaleski playing? Because I feel we've got another John Stead on our hands here. He said, yeah, he's playing. So he drove from Blackburn, wherever he lived, to Northampton to watch Makaleski. But going back to his debut, so I just remember that day, he, all my players used to like him wearing colour and tie home games. McCleskey didn't have a suit. That's had to take him into town on the Friday and buy him a suit. He caught the bus down from Golka morning of the game, and he, he looked great. He's got the first time he ever had a suit on, I think, in his life. And um, I was really proud of him, actually. And he did he come on a sub? No, I can't remember. 
Anyway, so he scored two goals. We had Sodji sent off. We were 2-1 down with a couple of minutes to go. I think Danny Schofield scored. Uh, I think he got sent off. So we were down at nine men or something like that. can't remember. And and then Makaleski scored. Oh, my God, it were incredible. Peter, what about that playoff semi-final? That, they were incredible. I, I thought we were going to blow it. I mean, if he got that goal at Lincoln, and he could barely walk in them days, I remember yeah. when he brought it back then. But then when Lincoln, again, typical town, a bit like that Peterborough, when you played it, the pipe mm. was ready, and it looked like they were going to spoil our party, and then Robert yeah, yeah. and Danny Schofield. It was incredible. Yeah, I'll just go back to that, but I'll just finish with Makaleski. So after that game, and a couple more games, there were a couple of people interested in. So I called him in. I said, listen, Makaleski, and um, he just lost his dad with cancer. So he looked at me sort of his figurehead to look after him. And I did, I did look after him. And I said to him, I said, right, Makaleski, you've seen what Stead done uh, and what, what can be done if, if, if your attitude's right and everything. In three years' time, you're either driving a, a, a Porsche or a Peugeot. It's up to you. Porsche or Peugeot? Down to you now. Go and leave. And what happened? Peugeot. You know, and, he's, he, and years later, I said, you wasted your career. He went on the piss, he went out, and he just went boom like that. But he had the world at his feet. How many players have we said that about? But anyway, so that's Andy Makaleski. But going back to that playoff game, me, it was a bit of a good match because in a league game at Huddersfield, Pavel Abbott oh. was offside and someone flicked it back to him and we beat him 3-2. Lincoln were a good side by that time. and But me and Keith Alexander didn't get on uh, on and off the pitch but when I played against him when he got. But there was a bit of tension between me and Keith, God bless him. Anyway, so we went down to Lincoln. I think we drew at Lincoln, and then we came back. Did we? No, we won two one at Lincoln. Yeah, we won two one at Lincoln, yeah. and then um, Murphy comes back. Yeah, and then we we come back to the Gale Farm, and uh, all of a sudden, in ten minutes, we're two 0 down. Jesus, with all this hard work, and I went in at half time, and you know, and I said to him that bit, all this hard work, we've come together, we've done this, but. We've got to throw it away. We've got to throw it away. Anyway, and we pulled it back. Absolutely amazing. To, to pull it back to 2-2. Two, two. I remember when it came in, uh, Lincoln manager, I was talking to one of the directors, talking about that game, and they said, that night you could feel that stadium rocking. When that, Robbie Edwards scored that goal, you could feel the, like, stand shape with vibrating with. And I also remember my two brothers were sat to dug out at right of me, and uh, it ripped a seat up in excitement, my brother. Ripped to see him. What a feeling that was. What a feeling for that young side to, to go all the way and cope with that pressure. We were under to succeed and they did it. And I'm, I was so proud of them. Peter, that Cardiff final, Junior Mendes, I, I still think that goal, they were not wrong with it to this day, mate. I, I remember being in the stadium thinking he scored. I couldn't. And then. Mm. Is that when the ball went out? Said it went out. The yeah. linesman were there, wasn't it? Wayne Larkin, wasn't it? Who scored? I, I thought it were out. I could see it were out from where I was. <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those ridiculous as soon as they did something because you're thinking you, your stomach's gone on it you just you, you totally the, yeah the exactly feeling, I, the feeling I, of disappointment I yeah I haven't seen the lines and put his flag up yeah. you've lost plastic you've lost Liam Lawrence as soon as that man. got disallowed you know you've won it you're winning yeah. this yeah. Yeah. think we're any other way than a win yeah yeah but um, I also remember um, before the game um, someone said to Keith Alexander, uh, not Keith, uh, Keith Curl, uh, have you been practicing penalties? 
they said, no, professional footballers don't have to practice penalties. Anyway, but we practised, we, we, you know, we, if you want to take in a penalty, players were stood behind the goal, messing about and put, trying to distract and everything. So we were well prepared for them penalties. And we had some good penalty takers. And, um, and obviously, problem boy Fowler scored the, the, the winning penalty. Cardiff lad, um, Welsh lad, little Lee. And uh, he scored the winning penalty. But we were so well prepared to go to penalties. To be fair, you've never seen four cleaner penalties than that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Keeper yeah, not seen one of them, has he? That, that yeah, celebration at the end, that where you're in, with that medal and the, the fireworks in the background, that that one yeah. of the iconic moments for me in the last 25, 30 years. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, me and Booth, because Sodji, Sodji got carried off again. Sodji used to fake injury at times. And I, I knew when they were kidding. And um, anyway, so after that final, people don't know this story. It's that after the um, final, we're all carrying on and drinking beer and champagne and things. Hello, Pussycat. And then um, we, we get on the coach. And one of the lads, Andy Aldrith, I think, said to me, Gaffer, what about Sodji? Oh, fucking hell, Sodji. Uh, I'll ring, anyway. Right, okay, right. Right, lads, we have a choice. Do we, um, do we go and see Sodji at hospital? Or do you want to all get home and go, we'll go pissing Huddersfield? Huddersfield, Gaffer, we'll all get back to Huddersfield. We'll all get back to Huddersfield. See you, subject. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but that trip back, it, it was just, you, you know, you think in, in, in your life, you, you, you go through certain moments, but to actually win a playoff final and a playoff final when it goes to penalties. Oh, I think that, that, that Macclesfield game, just I think it was before Christmas, we got absolutely battered. If you'd have told me then we were going up, I think yeah, no. no town fan. I bet you, did you have any doubts then or were you just like... No, um, I was still... I, I, that that night, I said to my players, I I, um, I said, if this is what you think, I, you know, we've we've all been together, a group of young lads and senior players. If that's the best you can give me, I'll, I'll I'll walk because that is simply not good enough. I was so upset and disappointed with them because I believed in them. I always believed in my players, and that night they let me down. And um, I remember the the second. And that was, I think that on record, that was at the time, that was Macclesfield's biggest ever league win. Macclesfield's four, Huddersfield nil. It was a disgrace. Macclesfield four, Huddersfield nil. And I went in and I just said, listen, anyway, we had, I, I cleared it. I, I said what I, I said to him and walked out. I think I, I didn't go on the coach that night. Anyway, I came back and then we went, we went on a bit of a run then. I remember playing Macclesfield at home because all our directors was running all play, ride five, and we smashed them back at Yale Farm. Smashed them four or five. Good. <laughs> Icky, uh, I've got something to show you guys. I've got something to show you guys anyway. Look, this ball here, right? Can you see it? Yeah. yeah. This ball here is the half a millionth league goal, 500,000th league goal scored. And it was scored by Gary Taylor Fletcher against... Rotherham, Huddersfield v Rotherham, and it was 8th of August 2006, and that's a half a millionth goal mm. in the Football League. Amazing, that, isn't it? Dunny had the ball, the golden goal ball from first ever golden goal goal. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember Dunny scoring that. Yeah, so yeah, we've seen that as well. Brilliant. Love to see it. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Happy days. Tell us about how close uh, Gaffer were to. Uh, a second promotion back to the championship. There's one thing, one story I remember was 
Uh, maybe you can tell me if, if this is true in, in that the uh, season where we got into the playoffs against Barnsley and that Barnsley game felt very much like Peterborough to me where we've dominated yeah, three, yeah, three quarters, you know, three halves if you like. And then yeah. the, the last half, it's just all come down a little bit. Um, yes. Tell us about uh, dealing with Ken Davy. I, I remember vaguely a story about uh, how you went to Ken Davy for a little bit of strengthening in January. And uh, I think he looked down the back of his couch initially, didn't he? Yeah, I mean that um, that that season. We we like you look at Hull and Swansea went up. They were buying strikers at three hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand, and um, they were stretching all the time to build the club up. I'm relying on free transfers and young kids from the academy. So they're about transfer window around January time. Kenny's any chance? I think he gave me twenty thousand to get a loan striker in for the season. I'm thinking. There's Hull signing players at 300,000, Swansea signing players at 200,000, and I have to rely on loan signings, you know. And um, I, I just felt at that time, if, if say, um, Dean had been there at that time, we, we'd have won promotion. With that, a shadow of a doubt, we'd have been in the championship a lot sooner if I'd had the support and backing that I, I deserved. Because, as I said, I was just trying on free transfers and, and, and players coming through the academy system we weren't investing to get promotion. We were just hoping everything that I'd sign would come off and and work on the field and, and we'd get promoted on the cheap sort of thing. And it's not like that sometimes. Sometimes you can work with the players that you've got. But you, if, if you sign um, players that are not going to improve your side, there's no point signing them. You need to sign better players than what you've got. Uh, you have any money. That Barnsley game was gutting because I remember we had a big following that Thursday night. We won, obviously. I think Taylor Fletcher won it that got us goal. And I in remember the back thinking we were one foot in the final. But but I suppose this is to become a denominator with our playoff games. Second leg seems to be at home. And, I, and you often hear it said that it's probably not an advantage. Do you think that just the pressure got to us? Because Raul could had a disaster, didn't he, that second game? And yeah, yeah, the second. job were done, but wasn't you it? You look at the, the first game with the bar, with the post, we should have beaten three or four nil at Barnsley. We absolutely played them off the park there and deserved to win the game. And, uh, and we're firm favourites to win um, the, the second leg as well. But, um, yeah, I just feel we, we wasted our chance first time over at, um, at Barnes with the chances that we missed and opportunities. And it was always going to be a tense, tense game. But, um, yeah, I remember sat in my office after that game. I think I sat in my office about 2 o'clock in the morning, didn't want to go outside. And um, my son, he was about 14 then, I think. He didn't speak He didn't speak for five days, my son. He didn't speak for five days. He was too upset. And uh, and that, I think everybody was like that because we felt a little bit deflated because if we, we'd have definitely got... If we'd have got beat Barnsley, we'd have beat uh, Swansea. We'd have beat Swansea, no problem, in, in the final. Even though we were down in Cardiff, we'd have beat Swansea. Swansea didn't like playing us. We'd have beat them and we'd have been a championship club we hardly spending any money whatsoever. What, so was the Chelsea, what was the Chelsea experience like, Peter? Was, it, was that kind? Mourinho seemed to look after us, didn't he, that day? And we were, it was brilliant, we, were Mourinho. Winning, we? we were winning. Yeah, yeah, we were there. My young boys, so proud of them. Adnan, even Adnan played that day uh, in midfield for me. Um, but but really, really proud of them. And I said to my players before the game, there'll be one cup upset today throughout the country, no matter where, one team, a win on expect, and we went there and had a right go up. And um, I remember meeting Mourinho. First time I met him, we pitch side, 
my son was sat on the dugout and Mourinho, full credit to him, came over, shook everybody's hands, all the subs, my son's hand. And um, I just remember going and, and we, he, we we got back into the, we were one nil down and we pulled it back to one all. And about eight minutes left and they scored. And, um, but they give a really good account of themselves. Teams had gone there and been, been me five or six. We went there with a group of young kids and give them a real good game. But the interesting thing after that, I went into his um, into his office. So Mourinho's office is about, I don't know, size of a bathroom, upstairs bathroom somewhere. And there's a little uh, fridge, a television, a guy serving drinks, me, Steve Clark, Mourinho, Terry Yorath, there's four of us in a room. And uh, I'd do my press conference, my press conference at this film might be 10, went in this room, them out, over 150 press there from all over the world. Mourinho goes to press conference and we meet back in his office for a drink. So he goes into Mourinho's office. Mr. Jackson, what would you like to drink? I said, can I have a glass of uh, white wine, please? Yeah. Right. So he pulls out this white wine and had Chelsea Chardonnay on it. I'm expecting this big glug of wine, which costs £300 from France, and he pulls out this Chelsea Chardonnay. So it's me and Mourinho drinking Chelsea Chardonnay. This isn't right, this. I, I slaughtered it on bus going on. I told all lads this story on the coach. So. But really proud of my lads that day. Really, really proud of them, of what they did, how they, um, how they cope with it. But after the game, I, uh, I said to Mourinho, is it all right if me, um, me lads get a shirt? It's a big occasion for us. Yeah, just send them in, send them in. Lads went in the dressing room, they were taking, the players were giving them trainers, boots, it were embarrassing. And Molten Brown, they had Molten Brown in the shower, you know, shower gel and soap and everything. All that disappeared as well. So first thing I said to Brookie, I said, Brookie, go and get me a shirt as well. <laughs> so Brookie got me a signed shirt and everything. But yeah, but Chelsea were fantastic with us. Really good, fantastic people. I knew you'd end up managing Bradford, Peter. It was your destiny, really. But that didn't seem to work out, did it? Did it for you, really, when you went there? But it, it sounded no, like you had similar times to like when Ken David were, you know, the budget. Yeah, what happened there? I um, I went back to um, to to, uh, to Bradford City. I turned down the job before. Um, about 10 years earlier than that. And um, I turned down the job before. And uh, I went I went there, and main aim was to keep them in the Football League. They were Peter Taylor. They were a group of players, the most disinterested group of players I've ever met in my life. And, you know, they played for Bradford, sitting in front of 18,000 every week in the fourth bottom of the um, Football League. And so I turned up there, and I, I gave it a shot, and we managed to stay up. And the following season... They appointed a guy um, came in as football director, and I, I didn't know what he was doing. And they were, he was sort of pulling the strings behind me back, and it just didn't feel right. And I wasn't enjoying it. And um, I left. I signed a lot of good players, and then Parkinson came off and, and took the club forward. But uh, yeah, I don't. I, I, it was an honour because I, I played for Bradford City, captain Bradford City, and I managed them. I went to school at Ludicroft, which is less than a mile away from the stadium. So, you know, it's, it was a big, big thing for me going back to Bradford as, as manager. But I've done it. I've done it. I think one thing, just going back a little bit, I'm just wary of, of, of time. Um, yeah, like if, about five minutes. Is that all right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember watching the Great Escape video and you talk so candidly about players on there. This guy did it for me. This guy didn't do it for me. Very honest and so it's something that we don't particularly get these days. You know, it's all kind of um, cloak and cloak and dagger, if you like. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you mentioned a couple of players that kind of slipped through. You know, the Emerson Tome. I think it was Paradeo is going by the name of back then. Yeah, yeah. Mikel Forsyth. Yeah, yeah. 
what sort of players have maybe slipped through your fingers as a manager and you've gone, oh, do you know what? They'd have been great if we could have got that over the line. Yeah. Um, probably the, I don't know, the, the big one, when Rubri came in and he and there, um, we had a, um, we had a bid accepted by Bristol City for Akinbaye for 1.2 million. And then, um, Barry Rubri and Ian there said, oh, it's not worth that sort of money. We'll, we'll get him cheaper. Three months later, he went to Wolves for 4.5 million. So he, he was a big one that went through. Um, but there's no one really that I'm, I'm, I missed out on. Um, I got rec- recommended players um, that never looked at, that went on to do well. But I've no one in my mind, or academy player that I've let go of, I've got a, to score 30 goals for Chelsea. I've, I've never, yeah. you know, released a player that's come back to kick me sort of thing. Um, but there's numerous, you know, you, you, you can go back throughout your manager. I watched that play. It's like um, uh, Jamie Vardy. Everybody's got a Jamie Vardy story in them. You know, me and Mark Long, the chairman of Bradford, went to watch Vardy at Halifax one night. And um, next week he, he goes to Fleetwood. But anyway, but they all have different stories. So my, my one probably, the deal that we're all lined up to do was I can buy it and then we didn't and they went to Wolves. So that was probably the, the, the big one. It's sort of like, like after f- football now, and I think you, you're involved like with Cairns and, and things like that as well. It's, uh, I mean, a horrible times at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it, I, 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 at the moment, I um, I got sacked at Lincoln. I suffered throat cancer. Uh, anyway, after six months, I got sacked, lost my job. And now I'm just turning 50 then. And we need, my wife, when I met her, um, was, was a ward sister in Bradford. So we need to get into some sort of business. We can't rely on football, being play 10 games, lose five, lose a job, blah, blah, blah. So we, uh, we had a domiciliary care shit. So we provided carers going into people's homes to provide home care. So we set the business up, and in the end, we had 95 staff. But I, I, I didn't like being in the office. I went out and was a home care. Um, I did home care in, in terms of looking after older, end-of-life packages, learning difficulties. So um, I went from this figurehead of being this quite high-profile person to being a carer, looking after people, and I loved it. Because I used to come home at night and think I made a difference to, to somebody's life, which was quite humbling for me. But it took a while to, to adjust to this lifestyle from, from being this football manager to, to looking after people. There's a big difference in what you do and how you get threatened and, and different things, getting up at six and getting home at half seven at night every night. But I loved it. I did it for five years then. CQC um, was a crucial factor that uh, they run our case all the time about iggly, iggly bits. So um, we, we packed that in. So that was five years ago. And we've travelled the world. We've got grandchildren. Um, I work up this field match days. I work for LMA. I do a little bit of TV uh, after dinner speaking. Peter, what's, so, with the LMA? what's your LMA role? My, I'm a mentor for the LMA. So I, when you become a football manager, you automatically enrolled to the LMA. And um, when you're out of work, you subscribe to the LMA. I think it's £50 a year I pay. Um, so we've got about five, nearly 600 members, subscribed members. Um, but you, you know, everybody's in there. They're all the big names you can think of, manager. They're all in it. And um, 
so I go around mentoring managers. It's a new thing that's just come on board in the last um, 12 months where I visit managers on a, a, um, a monthly basis about problems I have and how can we help and, and, and support and guidance over the phone. So I enjoy doing that because they're having the same problems I were having 20 years ago. I know the game's changed, but they still have, um, if you lose five games, you're out of a job or you're having problems with players, different things. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I've got a really good life. I've had a, a lucky life, uh, not a lucky life. I've had a blessed life where I'm, I'm from um, I'm from Butshaw Estate in Bradford and um, I've, I've, I've had a life where I've travelled um, I've, I've, I've had everything in life that I could possibly want. That makes sense. I've had, I've had success, I've had failures, but the most important thing is my health and my beautiful family that I've got. That's the most important thing is my health and my family. So you, like at one time, before I suffered cancer, you know, the most important thing was still town winning on Saturday or playing at Bradford City winning that game down at Luton. No, it's not. The most important thing is your family and your health. And if you've got that, You've got everything life you need. I think in the current climate as well, I think that's sort of really telling. And I think a lot of people are realising that exactly exactly what's important at the moment because all the other stuff is really peripheral to what makes you happy. Without your family and your friends. I've had some amazing, amazing happy times. I've had some sad times, don't get me wrong. But in in I can turn around when I um and uh, when my life's finished, sort of thing, hopefully a long, long time away. And look round and say he didn't do bad. I think it's fair to say to that. Finish, yeah. uh, I think from I speak on, I, I'd like to think I speak on a lot of Huddersfield Town's um, opinions and just say thank you very much for what you've done oh, for Huddersfield welcome. Town Football Club. You've you've given us several amazing years throughout the the nineties and then two thousands as well. And and thank you for coming onto the podcast and thank you for what you've oh, done for, for our football club. And it is a shame maybe that you didn't get a chance under Dean because I think we'd have seen. An amazing, an amazing yeah, rise of us. Yeah, I hope everybody keeps safe and hopefully we can get the season underway. But uh, I'd like to thank the, the, the people of this and the supporters of Huddersfield with what um, respect and dignity they show to me every time they meet me. And uh, long may that continue. So it's, well, it's, well, it's well earned, Gaffer. It's well earned, is yes. that? It's fully deserved. Yes. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you very much. All right. Thank God you. bless All you. Take care. Cheers. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Hey, yeah. How do we turn it off now? <laughs> <laughs> what do we press here? Stop video. Leave. Yeah, leave. 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 Oh, that button yeah. there. <laughs> Cheers, Gaffer. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, mate. Bye. So you go on home and you sit in your room and you think, now when and how am I ever going to get away from this? And now you know. Come let your hair down Tonight we will walk these streets I used to walk them alone Now we will walk together
Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery delivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.